SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songezomabete on SAFM. 2013, good evening, South Africa. Songezomabete here on The Viewpoint, the 25th of January, 2021. And I'm sure many of you, because I said 25 of every month, would have breathed a sigh of relief this weekend. Many of you getting paid after, what, 40 days of <laughs> December and January and the slog that January is. Anyway, let's talk about more sobering things indeed. There's been much in this country that has kept South Africans talking and tongues wagging. Dr. T.K. Buwe, senior lecturer at the Witz School of Governance, no stranger to the show, is back on the line. Doc, good evening. Thanks for your time. No, thanks for having me. A compliment for the new year. Indeed. Thanks, T.K. Let's talk about the, the, the Jackson and Tembu funeral the Jackson and Tembo legacy. The first thing I need to say, just to get this off my chest, whoever is ever given a public platform, more especially as public a platform, as reading the obituary of a senior member of government, the very least one should do is to respect oneself and prepare. I, I say nothing about the rest of us who listen and engage this figure for the first time in our lives. And the one thing we take away is that that person, whoever he or she is, read the obituary as badly as that one did. I mean, what a blemish to otherwise a beautiful occasion, solemn as it was. Your thoughts? Uh, yes, I, like you said, it, it's one of those things you, you get the obituary way beforehand. And maybe we just have to... We can hopefully, and this is me trying to be positive, put it down to maybe it was nerves, maybe it was something else, such as emotion. But if it was something of ill preparation, it doesn't really go well, and maybe somebody else should have been chosen. Great. I've said it. Now, let's talk about what came out of this funeral and what came in the wake of the passing of Minister Jackson Mtembu was something which for me has been very revealing, that this was an individual whose heart was always in it for the people. Speaker after speaker, tribute after the next. They spoke ultimately of, and the Ness said it best, the sister who gave the accounts of his last moments. He was not a, do you know who I am, kind of person. That is as big a compliment as one can get, more especially one who has occupied such high echelons of our governance. Yes, uh, I actually only met him once. I mean, and it reminds me of the saying, you know, from the good word, the Bible says, you shall know them by their stripes, which is, and that's what he was. People knew him straight and forward. And from the little interaction I had with him, and it's probably just once, what the lady said is very true. He was a jovial person, didn't really care who you were, and greeted you firmly. And maybe it speaks to the desire or something that's missing within our public service, and especially our politicians and leaders, that people will remember that one thing we call you know, Ubuntu from, from the late uh, minister. Mm. And the president was visibly shaken by that. He was a very forlorn figure, and the fact that the COVID regulations would have forced him to sit on his own was just the perfect metaphor in terms of potentially what even the mood in cabinet might be like. We saw Didi Mabuza there as well, who would know him very well from their days in Bumalanga, where Minister Mtembu did come from. 
imaginably then the cabinet will be a lonely and difficult place, not for the purposes of replacing Minister Mtembo, but just losing that sort of person at this time who almost became the face of government in government's response against COVID-19 and in many respects winning public appeal and confidence that this government, despite its many challenges, of which there are many, was at least able to grip South Africans bring them to a central repository and understand COVID and government's response and do so well at that. That's a massive loss now that he's gone. All that IP is gone because he has always been there. And I think that will probably be the hardest thing, that when you associate, you know, and especially you who is in the communication field, you'll know that it just goes, you don't just simply walk up and be able to say X and Y. People sort of have to have a, a liking to you. People have to have to know you. And you're right in saying that there is a, a huge, you know, just that, uh, I'll call it that, that uh, I think the word they use is, is waiting. Uh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a waiting behind him which is lost. And I think what will be important is you, you simply cannot replace somebody like this. So I think it will be futile to do so. But what people will want to see is can you make sure and ensure that the person who goes up there doesn't simply embarrass uh, the former late minister and there's someone people can really have an affinity with. Not, so not to replace it, but to try to find somebody who people can slowly start to say, you know what, it's not the former minister, but this is someone who we can also try to start building affinity towards. Let's have a conversation then with South Africans. Dr. T.K. Boer, Senior Lecturer of Wits School of Governance, on the line, giving us some insights in terms of what is hashtag the weekend wrap. Let's concentrate now on issues around the vaccine fake news in this country. President Ramaphosa wants to tackle the issue of fake news that are being spread, superstitious beliefs, 5G technology, the antivirus, I mean the anti-Africa virus vaccine, what have you, and of course people in high positions pl- praying against a triple six vaccine may the fire kill it we've had some of those controversies late last year and of course if you want to continue speaking and paying tributes to the late minister jackson mtembu please be very sure to do so and something about geography and the weather tropical cyclone eloise has hit and some have been hit very hard by that. So just a running account from the experiences of those in Mozambique, Mbumalanga and Limbobo, particularly the provinces that have been hit hardest, parts of northern KwaZulu-Natal and parts of Gauteng to an extent. Dr. T.K. Bue, one question in relation to the funeral of Mr. Jackson Temple. It could never be a funeral, much less a funeral of an ANC member without courting some controversy. Tatamlangeni. There were regulations, they were flouted. We even saw men in military uniforms smoking at a time where cigarettes were not available, never mind the excess in number that they were then. We had a famous um, media person, there was a Rakhadi who caused a raucous at the funeral. Here, a premier, no mask, and which is more, this is what really gets to me, and I would imagine it gets to many South Africans. The flippancy of the excuse that it fell and I didn't know. What are we taking for as a people? It's like being told a bloody swimming pool is a fire pool. Are we back there? I think nothing has really changed on that matter. And uh, actually I actually was just thinking about it. And you know what came to mind is in the UK, there were certain officials who broke that lockdown law. And I think if I'm not mistaken, if you are caught without a mask, the law has got something to say. But what was what's always interesting about other countries is I think there's a, there was an advisor to the Prime Minister of the UK, Dominic Cummins, and also ministers in Scotland and Ireland who immediately resigned. The media did not have to follow them and ask them questions. The government didn't even have to respond. They had that thing to say, listen, I've done wrong and I resign. 
And I always think, you know, if we don't really need investigations. You've broken the law. And if truly you were a person of, you know, stature and a leader, you wouldn't need a stature to call into account. You simply say, listen, I've, I've bucked the trend. I've fallen short of it. Let me resign. And, you know, many South Africans say, wow, that is different. But as it's unfortunately, we live in an era where fire pools and excuses are all part and parcel of what we call the party that is the South African government and its, uh, and its politicians. But earlier on in the regulations or in the life of COVID, we had Minister Stella and Abeni Abrams break the regulations. She was caught with um, Dumanana and Zwandile Masina having lunch on a particular day. She was suspended and docked parts of her salary. At the very least, that standard that the president had set surely has to be a precedent that has to be followed and can only and should only be more stringent with the passage of time and the dangers, especially of the period in which we now find ourselves around the second surge. No, that is true. And I think, especially if you, you spoke about the issue of misinformation, and it always seems to be the case that when our officials do wrong, they are surprised when the rest of South Africans come up with their own, should we call them stories which are not true or tend to be fake news, because I think it, it tends to rot from the top. But I think, again, we have to really ask a deeper question because I don't think we're going to find it in these officials. And the question needs to be, we need to say, listen, we as a society, and this is what the law says, if you do not meet it, we're going to punish you. Now, we still have to find a means of how to punish them, such that we are happy. But we know the only way that you punish people within the system is you vote them down, not individuals, but a party. And I think that's the only way we'll get a semblance of standards and norms in this country. Let's talk about the metaphor, I mean, rather the youth, not the metaphor, the irony, I beg your pardon, the irony of U.S. banning South African travelers. Of course, it makes sense in relation to the fact that there's this strand that has since been identified in South Africa, which certainly at this point is not known to the United States, and they do not want to have any evolution of COVID-19. If anything, they want to kill it, as everybody does want. President Joe Biden making a very hard decision that could have serious implications in the world of international diplomacy. Well, not really, because I think we, sometimes we have to look at this not so much from a, yeah, it is political, but from a, from a science base, to say, listen, this is actually the only approach you can take. So when people get upset at borders being closed, look, I think we have to come to a realization that this, for now, is the best blunt tool we have. So rather than make a, you know, a whole kafafal about, oh my word, they're closing borders, let's ask the question. If you are in that situation, knowing that you have X and Y instruments available, and the best one is for now to close the borders, what would you do? And I think that's why we need to get to a point of saying governments are going to make decisions we're not happy with, and COVID is an evolving thing. So for now, we have to accept this. It would have been a bigger problem if, let's say, COVID, as we pray, goes away, and then there's those borders. So I, I, I'm not, I, I'm one of those who, I'm not too moved by the border closures as such, provided that I think there's, uh, you know, evidence that the state in itself is dealing with the problem, that they're not simply saying we're closing off and hoping something happens. Let's talk about something else. Social grants. The social relief has been extended. Government confirming that they will pay the grants only for this month, though. Well, surprised, not surprised. Sustainable, certainly not. Your thoughts on that? I think the whole grant system within the context of South Africa, we sort of, the government has put themselves from 1994 into a corner which I don't know how they're going to recover from. Because from my understanding, grants in the initial point, going back to 1994, 1996, were to help society to a certain point. The problem has been that we've never known what that point is. Now we really know we have no finances available for us. And this simply creates an expectation that you simply cannot bottle back. 
So the better question, to, and I think maybe the better question, but the question we talked, I mean, to say, listen, what, what is the purpose of grants long-term, post the next five years? Because you cannot simply just give it out. Or can we maybe say there's other means we need to start looking at to relieve the poverty that really does haunt South Africa, but do it in a different way without necessarily using grants? And I think that's where the thinking is really missing because there's two extremes. There's other people say totally get rid of grants, forgetting the fact that, listen, they've been known to be a safety mechanism, or what the government is doing, which is say, listen, let's just put grants. I think we need something in the middle which is nuanced and able to really move, you know, debates about poverty going forward. But that debate is, is a very long-standing debate because, I mean, you're essentially speaking to the heart of the ANC. It's the Reconstruction Development Program 1 versus GEAR and everything subsequent to that. Madiba promised through the ANC's manifesto of 1994 there'd be a reconstruction and a development program for the purposes of extricating the majority African people from the ravishes of apartheid legacy poverty. But then GEAR took over and it gave us the economic numbers of growth. But that growth was not accompanied by jobs. So if anything, it is my view, and perhaps I want you to engage it deeply even, GEAR might have given us the numbers, monetarily, economically, but it inadvertently gave us a false impression that South Africa was doing well, but it hadn't attended to the high number of unemployed people, which number has consistently been going up. And that's why I would agree with you, but I go one step further to say, in the interim, even starting from the RDP all the way to GEAR, what has been our employment policy? And, you know, you've heard a lot of private sector companies, which we don't always agree with them, but, you know, internationally, there is a way we've seen employment goes down. And and I'm going to be controversial in saying this, mm. is that Asian countries have shown us that, listen, you need to even tweak things such as minimum wage. Now, I know that's very touchy and understand why, because of our given history. But if the international precedent is X and we're following Y, we're always going to be surprised when we have to come up with things like unsustainable grants. So I think the bigger debate needs to be listened. We know that the only way you truly squash, and I repeat squash, not play around, squash uh, poverty, is to ensure that people can put their own food on the table. And we need to ask, how have other countries done it? If they've done it in a way that doesn't make us happy, we need to find a way to bring that, bring those, those policies here and then ask, how can we maybe ensure that, listen, people don't totally get abused in the system? And I know it's always easy when you speak from a position I am in to be able to have an academic and, you mm-hmm. know, academia doesn't have, well, it does have its pain. But it's always hard to say, but you're describing a, pay, a remedy to people which is going to get them to work 9 to 12 hours, as we've seen in Asia. And, I'm, and I think we have to have that honest debate to say, look, it's international precedent. It's happened. And until we really face those realities, and I think that's what gear and even of the RDP myth that there is an international agenda which shows how you squash poverty. And until we really start honestly getting into this debate, we're going to be stuck in a cycle of unsustainable grants. And I think that's not healthy going forward. The trade unions will not be happy to hear you bring that argument because invariably the Asian model has got serious implications for labor and our labor laws are rather quite stringent. Let's move on. Let's go to Anonymous in case that any wishes to contribute. Dr. T.K. Buwe, final minutes of the show remain. Of course, not without Anonymous's contribution. Good evening, ma'am. Good evening to you, Sangezo, and good evening to your guest. And um, I'm in, in concurrence with your guest there. 
But I just want to bring my, my perspective into action there, uh, or into words. Um, uh, you know, the, you, we need to have, uh, we, I want to uh, uh, first send my condolences out to every person that has passed on with the COVID-19. I think the injection should come quickly, that vaccine, and then we can survive, uh, some people can survive through that vaccine and also protect themselves and also uh, prevent them from spreading uh, the germs to other souls as well. And, uh, yeah, my contribution now is why a counsellor, why a counsellor, a PR counsellor, uh, is, uh, is in position for 15 years, 10 to 15 years, in the same position, not promoted to parliament, but promoted to other areas. If he's finished in this area, he goes in another area, but he's a PR counsellor not elected by the public. Right? So I want to know how come they're in the same position for so many years? And, you know, they're not promoted to parliament where they can speak on behalf of the people because the parliamentarian can see what type of councillors have been uh, elected under the PR system. But what issue do you take with that? The the issue I'm taking is that the person is not skilled and the person is elected year after every five, four years as a PR councillor. I see. Let's give Dr. T.K. Boy an opportunity to reply. Person, the person is not very caring, not very helpful. He's not like Mr. Jack, uh, he's not like one of the politicians or Mr. Jackson, late Mr. Jackson. Kennedy. Sure, no problem. No, I've got you there, Anonymous. I think the, po- the point essentially in relation to how councillors get to serve as council members and ward representatives, ultimately public officials in the sphere of local government. The question is, should there surely not be a minimum requirement for one to be ultimately in the position of service where you have to get certain issues, including knowing how local government systems work and why the ward system is the way that it is for the purposes ultimately of ensuring service delivery. That that seems to be absent, and it was in many reports that has been lamented, not least among those, the Muarane Commission report, albeit it was speaking about the violence in the public service around KZN particularly, but these are some of the issues that that report touched on. No, it did, but again, it goes back to what you, the bigger question you're asking is, do we have standards and norms in this country? A lot of times, and I'm sure you've seen a local a lot local government report, the, the, the Auditor General will touch on the issue that we have CFOs who basically have, were former teachers, and that's nothing against teaching, because as I say, my mother was a teacher. But there's a different type of skill you need to be a CFO. But then the bigger question to ask, if we have standards and norms for all our jobs in South Africa, even down to the most, minute, what people think are minimal jobs, why don't we have standards and norms for politicians? Because at the end of the day, this country still runs on a lot of what politicians do. And until we have set norms and standards, Beyond just even qualifications, but experience, we're going to be stuck in the cycle of, oops, I made a mistake, but I want to go learn and get better. Mm. And that's what's been happening for the last 26 or 27 years. It's been, oops, I'm making a mistake, I'm going to go learn better, when truly they're not learning. No norms and standards, poor monitoring and evaluation. The vicious cycle on present facts continues. Doc, thank you so much for your time. As always, thank you. Indeed, weekend wrap. That was Dr. T.K. Bua, senior lecturer at the Witt School of Governance, giving us some insights into the matters that have since arisen from our last conversation.